everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rap room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules, just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning in to the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the random. Brand. I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We on a grown shit. Welcome to the rap room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriter's Rant Room. Will we keep it street? We keep it opinionated? And we keep it what? 2015. Uh-huh. Y'all, y'all hear them big old numbers? Mm-hmm. Y'all see how we do it? Mm-hmm. We ain't even 100. We, we way bigger than that. Well, only because we have to change our 100 now, because you noticed that Larry Wilmar on the, day, on the nightly show, which I love. What is that? He has this thing, a hashtag, and he, he, he says it's hashtag keep it 100. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he stole it from us. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's really, really similar. Yeah. But since I like Brother he Man, knew he, was doing he knew what he was doing. I know Larry. I love you, Larry mm-hmm. Wilmar. Yeah. You're amazing, mm-hmm. and I love the nightly show. But continue. Mm-hmm. Continue. Anyway, huh, I'm going to have to sue his little bit. Okay. <laughs> 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 What's up, Larry? How you doing, buddy? Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. On the show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, shit like that. Mm-hmm. So y'all hear her voice. That's my girl, Lisa Bolakaja. We call her the street nerdist. Why we call you Because I have a PhD. Oh, she got a PhD now. Oh. And badassery. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She turned it up. She turned okay. it up. Okay. 2015. Yeah. New year. Okay. New year. So you're a nerd and you're cool now. I am. I have always been cool. <laughs> you I've always now. been cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm born a nerd, but you know. Hey. Yeah. See, I used to call myself a cool nerd. You know what I'm saying? I Nerds got are like always that. cool. Mm-hmm. Pimping ain't easy. Mm-hmm. Pimping ain't easy. <laughs> Speaking of pimping, what? Uh, Comic Con is bullshitting this year. Wait, what happened? They send you a link now, and you have to try to like get a lottery system to try to be able to go to the Comic Con now. So I got my link to go sign up for it and stuff, but they're already, I think, Saturday and I think Friday. Parts of the previews are all sold out already. I'm, I'm still trying to still trying to get my. I haven't had a chance to go online. You have to like, hit up Greg Jones because he, he'll be there, and <sighs> Spiro will be there with oh, his God, panel. I know, I know, but it's gotten so huge now. I mean, I'm happy for San Diego, but. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, you got to get a special link and maybe you'll be able to buy a whole oh, week pass like that? at that. It's big. So we mm. may have to go like two weeks now or something. Okay. It's, I blame Hollywood. <laughs> People blame Canada. I blame Hollywood. Like, well, it's turned into a film market now. So it I'm is. Gonna, and it's yeah. like, it's kind of losing the, the smallness that I love with the panels. But mm-hmm. yeah, so those of you who were able to get your... Uh, your passes for Comic Con, I hate you, <laughs> bastards. <laughs> and I will sit outside with my little Jamba Juice and sip and sit on the steps and watch you go in and out as you cosplay. Okay. If you see a really, really bitter Wonder Woman <laughs> sitting oh, on the curb, dre- you gonna be dressed up this year. <laughs> <laughs> a really bitter super, super okay. Wonder Woman with dread sitting there with a Jamba Juice, looking just <laughs> mad. So she go in on her. Little <laughs> <Okay. show. laughs> so y'all see how we're doing on the rant room. So we got my man sitting in with us, Mr. Gary Guerrier. I said it right? Oh, man, See, you said it right. I had practice last yeah. night. Yeah. You didn't work today. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we got my man, actor, writer, sitting in with us today. We're going to have fun with y'all. So, y'all ready to get it in? Mm-hmm. Let's get it in. So, today, what are we going to talk about again? We're going to do a two-look, a two-parter. Like, I want to talk about bad marketing. Oh, shit. And maybe a little thing on biopics because, okay. because... You because, know, because, you know, because, because, it's a wonderful because. world where it is. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, if you know the last episode, I told you I went to go see The Kingsman. Mm-hmm. And I complained to what you. What that movie is for people the who Q- have Okay. Seen it. First of all, it has the fabulous Colin Firth in it. That's my husband. Right uh, 
it had no it's my husband now <laughs> i mean i'm married to you, okay but, but it doesn't matter if i wasn't married <laughs> but colin, Col- me, talking Colin about is when we amazing together, in know. this thing but um <laughs> it has of course of course it has sam jackson in it got i think hollywood look you only like two black men in the whole world that's it you only mm-hmm. like sam jackson and denzel no not denzel who? anymore who Come well on. Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are your two favorites. Yeah. Denzel, not so much anymore, but mm-hmm. there are people... Okay, Hollywood, I'm going to let you in a little secret. Well, the Equalizer did pretty let me, good. Let me, let, me, let me give you a little secret. Go ahead. There are more than two black men <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> not over 50. <laughs> <laughs> not over 50, according to them, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Samuel did his thing, and, uh, but anywho. But I... Mm. Th- this is my argument. This I'm, I'm going to take two to the top. Here's the thing. Months ago, before The Kingsman came out, mm-hmm. I was sitting in the theater Mind with my the popcorn. Because, you know, I like to go to the theater like 20 minutes before it starts, before the, even the, um, the, uh, the preview start. Mm-hmm. I position myself in the back center. Mm-hmm. I loved, because what I do is I study the reaction of the audiences when they're watching the trailers. You're just mm-hmm. looking at the back of the head? Because, no, 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 because <laughs> no, no, I'm looking at the trailers and I'm listening to their reactions. And, oh, okay. le- and let me tell you. Because people talk. Oh, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I was at the Kingsman, there were a bunch of movies that were coming out and nobody reacted to any of them. These are big budget movies. Yeah. And I'm like, Hollywood, y'all in trouble. Cause people, <laughs> like, literally, it was like, da 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 da. And then I look at the audience and they were just like, mm. yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Next. <laughs> so, anyway, so way back when, you know, when I, when I first saw the Kingsman trailer, like, I thought, okay, it's okay. And they had like the little, little, the, the, protagonist kid and i honestly the way that the teaser trailer had presented itself mm-hmm. it was almost like like you said before it's like a a british men in black without all the sci-fi yeah. stuff but kind of like a uh, kind of a hip men in black if men in black meets uh what's the famous spy oh british um, spy james bond yeah if yeah. james bond was training as a hipster kid, mm-hmm. you know, with really cool gadget. That's pretty much how it came off. See, I was thinking it was almost like like all that shot by freaking Guy Ritchie or something. You know yeah, what I mean? Right, 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 yeah. right. And what really kind of turned me off was when they the, the, the young man, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but the young guy who's like the, the mentee mm-hmm. in Kingsman, uh, Colin First, little mentee, they kind of had him kind of, he had like this little swagger and it's kind of like, oh, here we go. Like mm-hmm. the, the cool white boy who's got a little flavor to him. And sometimes that stuff is just really corny to me because it's like you're really doing a little too much. So fast forward months later, a couple days ago, uh, actually a week ago, I'm driving through Hollywood. I look up and see the billboard, and I see the girl who's in the movie, mm-hmm. um, who I thought was one of the Kingsmen by when I saw the preview, who's got like the 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 knife legs and stuff doing the splits. And I thought, what an amazing, what an amazing billboard that is! Mm-hmm. Like if you would have like showed that and really highlight, I would have been in there like like gangbusters. I mean, there's a few billboards yeah, around. There's I mean, just yeah, not a lot. but there's just not that that dynamic like yeah. that where she's doing that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm and uh, I should go see this movie. And then, and luckily a friend of mine Kevin said, "We should let's go see it." Mm-hmm. And I said, "You know what? This is going to be a good learning experience for me. Let's let's check out how it was marketed and what is my reaction when I go okay. see it." Holy fucking cow. Mm-hmm. That's important. Big difference. Mm-hmm. The movie was so much fun. Mm-hmm. There was not a dull moment. Mm-hmm. Like I was like intrigued from jump and to the end. I want to see more as a series of mm-hmm. I, I would love to see like two more films with this. Okay. You know? And I thought to myself afterwards when we were both sitting there going what the dude if we hadn't just taken a chance and gone to see this we mm-hmm. would have missed out on a great movie mm-hmm. because the marketing was just not it was just bad marketing. And like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to put my finger like what, I mean, you can't go wrong with Colin first, but mm-hmm. I think it might've been, maybe we're just kind of saturated with a it's lot a of those type right of, now. I, you know I mean, know. everybody's so focused on the Oscars and everything that was put. <sighs> and the story was real. 
And I mean, it was they were. It, it, it goes deep into yeah, like yeah, it deals you know, with class. And Eggsy was his, yeah, his nickname. Yeah, Ex- yeah, they call him Eggsy. Eggsy, yeah. yeah, and and it deals with class. Teron Egerton. Or it deals with, um, you know, and one of the key points in the movie, and I think that's so wonderful, and I'm going to write about it for Bitch Flicks, is the idea that so many movies, especially American films, the idea. What I loved about it is Exley was not. The hero. He was the hero, but he was part of the team. Mm-hmm. Most movies, the guy is always like he's everywhere. He's doing mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. In this movie, mm-hmm. it took the team to accomplish the goal. Mm-hmm. And the lead, the ex-lead, who was the mentee, who's mm-hmm. the lead character in the movie, he didn't come off as an asshole know-it-all. Like most movies, they're like, he's the best of everything. Mm-hmm. That wasn't what this movie is about. It was mm-hmm. about not the individual, but how it takes a team mm-hmm. to create a community to get something done. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a beautiful, beautiful yeah. metaphor. And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid people are going to miss out on it because the marketing was so bad in the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, another movie that had really good marketing and made its money in like probably the first two hours it came out was <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. Did you go see it? I have not seen it yet. It's Neither not my style have I. of a movie. I don't even like the commercial. I saw the commercial. I'm like, that does not look like a movie they're I want to see. They're not sexy. Like, both the leads were no, not sexy no. to me. They're not. But in the book, they're like hella sexy or something? What? I don't know. Even the book was, I mean, I didn't read the book, but okay. I saw everybody else was reading it. Uh, yeah. I remember last year I was doing something you know, where. I, I read the first part of the book and where she goes and meets him. Mm-hmm. And Is it sexy? It's extremely sexy. Mm-hmm. The way they describe him and the mm-hmm. way he's, I mean, it's really, really sounds sexy. Graphic. You know, but, and, uh, it, it, but I'm just sorry. I mean, the people that they pick, well, another reason no one really wanted to play it. Mm. No one really wanted to play it because, you know, they had so many people up for it. Bradley mm-hmm. Cooper were up, was up for it, and they all turned it down. Oh, my God. Yeah. If Bradley Cooper was in there, I might have gone to go see it. <laughs> I'm like, well, what? Uh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bradley Cooper, see naked? I can like, go see yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it, for me, I would have probably gone to go see it if they had some – I'm not going to say better casting because that's – I don't want to, like – deny some new actors coming in who might bring their own game and stuff like that but in terms of when i saw the film in terms of did it make me feel sexy it made me want it did not make me want to go see the movie like Uh i mean even though they tried their best by putting beyonce up there having her remix of crazy and Mm -hmm. try to slow it down the remix and make it sexy and stuff you know in fact the audience i saw the trailers well we were kind of laughing because it was like we got the couple down here who were just not giving us heat in the trailer then you've got like beyonce all breathy it's just it just seemed it just didn't seem like a good match But, I mean, it proved a lot of people wrong. It was huge. What is it up to? 300 million now? That's yeah, ridiculous. That's you know, right. and, you know, with the controversies with the, the writer of the book and um, the director, the female director, um, what I'm sad about is they're already going to do the sequels, but I don't think they're going to bring the, the female director back. Really? They might give it to somebody else. I don't know. But, you know, it, and I think that's why I want to talk about marketing because there's a lot of films out there, I think, that could have been marketed better for people to see. Mm-hmm. And it, it could be a combination, like you said, it could be a combination of too much stuff going on, the Oscar times, because right. I think um, another movie that I saw last year and totally forgot about it was The Seventh Son. Right. From The Seventh Son mm-hmm. with uh, Julianne Moore and uh, I think it was 130 Pope. million. Was it Jeff Bridges? I think it's Jeff Bridges yeah. in it. And it looked like a really cool fantasy kind of Maze Runnery thing. Mm-hmm. But when I saw the trailer, I was just not... It didn't move me to really want to go see it. Okay. I don't know if it's because it's Julianne Moore and Jeff Bridges and the same old people. Like, maybe <laughs> if I need to see new people to get me excited. Mm-hmm. But literally, I forgot about the movie. And then they show the trailer a couple... And then it was in the theater and it bombed. Mm. I forgot about the movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I don't know... I mean, how do we well, explain to people how to make a good marketing campaign to make people want to go see your stuff? Well, I think there, there's there's a lot of things going on. You have to remember Hollywood is 
not only during the Oscar race are we in politics. There's politics even when a movie comes out. Mm -hmm. Studios have deals with directors and actors and producers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're like, well, their contract ends next year. If we put this movie out, you know, it's going to cost us this amount of money, but at least we'll be out of their contract. Right. So a lot of so they don't even try. They just try to get rid of that situation, right? So they can move on to yeah. the next thing. And it's 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 a sad thing. Do I'm like put it on VOD or something right. if you're going to do that? I mean, just do something so it's more. Don't publicize it to go to the movie theater, and then you don't even really do anything with it. You yeah, know what I mean, it's it's a weird. I'm not saying that's what happened with these particular movies. Right. I'm saying it does happen. It mm-hmm. happens in TV, which is why mm-hmm. a show comes on and three episodes is gone. They had it playing the whole fucking time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. well, that's like the writer of Ted, mm-hmm. right? He did Ted, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Then he was like a hundred ways to die in the West or something like oh, that. God. That just bombed. Yeah. But they had like a five picture deal with him. Oh yeah. And after yeah, that bombed, it yeah. was like, Shh, all right, we, we're, we're cutting this contract. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I wanted to touch on something, uh, inside fact on Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. and, um, because I was reading a lot on Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, they were thinking, actually, when they were in, in the room, thinking about casting a black girl. Really? But they fought it because it was like, oh, no, we can't do it because it'll look like slavery and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? We need to get beyond that, people. Well, why, I, why, why would it look? Because I don't know what the book is Because about. Why the, would it look it's, like it's, slavery? A, it's, it's bondage yeah, and it's, whipping it's, and all these different things. <sighs> so that would have been Lisa's probably, ah, you know. Rope work. <laughs> okay, Lisa's this? getting all nice hot no, and bothered here. Okay, hey, good. Blushing. Hey. I can show you how to tie up some stuff. Okay. Some serious rope work, some Japanese rope bondage rope. Yeah, yeah that's okay. art to me. That's art. Okay, it's art. <laughs> okay, okay, I've never heard of it. And here's what's funny. This is what's funny about Fifty Shades of Grey, is when that people were reading the book. Like a lot of the women I saw were like middle aged white women were reading mm-hmm. it. Like I remember one time I was going, I was redoing my uh, my car, uh, car insurance stuff, and I was doing something. I was going to you know to update my AAA thing, and the woman behind the counter was reading her little. I said, "Oh, I see you're reading that book," and she like jumped and like hid the book, and I said, "No, I hear it's pretty good." I mean, I knew what the book was about, mm-hmm. but I, I pretended like I did because I don't want to embarrass her. Like, sure. "Oh, do you like it?" And she's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." Everybody was reading that book. Mm-hmm. Everybody, no matter what people were saying, whether it was good or bad, everybody. And I saw, so I knew, I knew. Okay, it's going to okay. be a movie. It's coming, that kind of thing. But when it did come out, what a lot of the controversy is that when you come from the BDSM world and when you... The who? BDSM. Why she got to use these abbreviations for things she only Okay, knows. Google BDSM. <laughs> I <even> Google that <laughs> shit. What the hell is BDSM? Bondage, discipline, sadomat, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, there's, but there's different <laughs> layers to that. And one okay. of the controversies of it is this book. If you take away the the bondage and all the the kinky quote unquote kinky, which is kinky to some people, but it's mm-hmm. like normal sex for everybody else, <laughs> um, it really is, the the situation they say it's almost like a stalkerish, really uh, disturbing relationship story. Okay, mm-hmm. so and it's a rightful criticism, and because it's someone who doesn't come from that world who's just writing about something, and so a lot of people who are from that world are afraid that it's going to give this what they do a bad name I mean a lot of people especially Americans mm-hmm. have this thing about sex and anything oh, that's not vanilla sex oh, yeah we're definitely please. so but when it comes to a lot of the beta like having safe words and having dungeons and places mm-hmm. to play and all that kind of stuff people who are vanilla mm-hmm. anything you know is, is extreme to them and so a lot of times we the, the people who are in these worlds already feel marginalized enough as it is True. 
to have something that's it's kind of it's no different than black people when black people want to write their own stories or talk about their own stuff you get somebody who's not black who writes about something who thinks they know and they get shit wrong so that's kind of the the controversy with the book Mm -hmm. with that being said though when you're casting it though i when you got a sexy movie you got to have really sexy people Mm -hmm. or you can't get me in there Mm -hmm. but what people think is sexy doesn't fly so the idea of even casting a black Mm -hmm. girl I would have thought it'd be amazing. You probably would have made more money. Oh my god! On top of it, Ooh. but knowing Hollywood, they probably would have would have casted an ambigu- well, ambiguously black. Well, let's talk person. about this for a second. I mm-hmm. mean, it's an interesting thing because I didn't know that that they were considering having mm-hmm. a black. Because I would say, if you're gonna cast that, be Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> however, mm-hmm. however, I'm just saying. As much you have to remember this: if you were, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, if you were a white executive at Sony, for instance, um, one of the big studios. Dealing with as much shit. See, we don't even see half the things they get from the NAACP and the other things, you know, complaining about this and complaining about that. So they're very weary about what they put out. You know what I mean? They have to be because if they don't, they're going to have, you know, these huge conglomerates, these companies on their tails all the time claiming, well, why? Oh, that's the only time you show a black woman's when she being, you know, dominated by a that's, white man. That's, you know what I mean? Et cetera, et cetera. Then you know what? You cast against grain. You get somebody who's not white. So somebody that we've never seen before. Get an Asian dude but, and a black girl. Oh, I see where you're going Get with an that. East Asian okay. guy. Yeah, well, good get an Indian guy. There's yeah. so many gorgeous men yeah, if we were in of England, color they who might aren't do it. black and who yeah. aren't white mm-hmm. who can, I mean, wow, what's the one dude who's, uh, oh God, he's just fabulous. I can't even think of his name right now. So many of them. I have to get, you know, we just didn't do a list and me and you just going to read a list. We're going to say, Dear Hollywood, uh-huh. here are some actors of color from different races other than black and white that you might want to consider, male yeah. and female. Here we go. You know what I mean? Which is why I was telling her recently, one of my favorite shows that I just sat and binge watch was Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there isn't a white face on there. And if they are white, it's a different kind they of white. They are a different kind seen. of white. Right. They're like Italian, but like real Italian looking white. <laughs> like like Southern dark Italian. Ones. Huge, yeah, you know dark, what I mean? Dark, yeah. Mm. I mean, every person, just the best Asian actors you've ever seen in your life. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody is on point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just had to side, side note that. Well, Anyway, so, but yeah, I mean, with marketing, I mean, if they would have cast a black girl, that would have been phenomenal. But like mm-hmm. you said, people are going to be like, oh, the whole thing with slavery. Here's the mm-hmm. thing. You have to be nuanced and you have to be layered and you have to be critical in your thinking. I think you what have you to need, take risks. What you have to do is you do have to take risks because yeah. one of the things you need to understand is black people are big. Mm-hmm. They're into BDSM, rope work, all the different sexual things that go on. <laughs> don't think. Don't, I know. It's, I mean, it sounds funny. <laughs> I don't because, even know that world, but you know what? I'm just saying. Y'all need yeah. to like. Y'all need to live. Like, go to some parties, y'all. <laughs> go to some scenes. Go to some. Go play a little bit. And you ain't got. You can just go watch. Hey, mm-hmm. you know. But. I'm just going to say, I know some people who know some people who, you know, <laughs> like, I have, got the video. No, they, 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 got, <laughs> they have the part. They do. They do those things. Mm-hmm. And I do understand the um, that kind of fine line where it kind of feels like slavery and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about purely sex. OK. okay. And we're talking about what gets people off. Mm-hmm. All right. P- just purely that. Okay. Everybody has something. Yes. You know, and everybody's thing might not be your thing. It might seem weird, but there's a whole segment of population who are into that. Sure. That being said, is that you got to take some chances as an executive. You've got to be able to say, you know what, there's another audience out there. Like, if you would have got an Indian actor, mm-hmm. okay, you've got all of Bollywood. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, some on Bollywood stuff. And, and you would have had sure. all and kinds some of, them of are stuff. Beautiful. And oh my God, sexy yeah. as mm-hmm. hell. You would have opened up your international market. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. You could have had some other I mean, you could open it up. It doesn't always have to be 
white people all the time. Agreed. You know, just to be different. You could have had. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. How did, is it Exodus? How did that do? It bombed. Did it? As it should have. But let's talk about that because that's a marketing thing that they promoted the shit they out prom- of it. And this is what happened. Uh-huh. Uh, myself and some other people on Twitter <laughs> they started yeah, posting. No, no. Okay, first of all, this is where you messed up. Mm-hmm. In this day and age, you know that diversity sells. Yes. You know this. Yes. But you go and you put out a movie mm-hmm. where the majority of the cast are white people. Mm-hmm. White people, not even just white people, mm-hmm. but not even the dark white people who can pass as something else. Let's talk about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like in Africa. So what you're <laughs> saying is, is that, you know, and, and what even got me the worst was when I went on IMDb. I said, well, let me go see who all the actors are. I even posted the picture on Twitter when they had on mm. IMDb where they talked about they had the name of the actors and what they were playing. The white actors, they had a name of their character, what they did. Mm. All the black characters, thief, servant. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, huh? And, and all they're all darker skin, and that those are the only roles they were there for. Of course, they were like the uh, the soldiers and stuff, mm-hmm. the servants and all of that. And how you can't, I'm telling you, you can't have Christian Bell coming as fine, as wonderful he is, and as much mm-hmm. as I love him, Ridley, you cannot have him <laughs> representing <laughs> Moses. You can't have, heck, you can't have Sigourney Weaver mm-hmm. trying to channel, you know, uh, what's <laughs> your name? Egyptian the, princesses. Yeah, like, and I'm like... <laughs> First of all, let's just talk about when you look at people who live in those areas anyway. Just, mm-hmm. just, just, just basic logic. Mm-hmm. Like, do a casting trip and go, what do people look like when they hang out here? Oh, man. They have some color in their skin because they're in the sun a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay? Even if you didn't want to have black people, mm-hmm. you couldn't have found some Middle Eastern actors who and are ambiguously brown and they're there. brilliant and they're wonderful because what they said basically the idea was oh well you know we went with the best actors or you know <laughs> Egyptians are white and and I even tweeted a picture like I'm just taking some I'm just taking pictures off the wall that the people painted because mm-hmm. clearly they got all kinds of different colors so if they were truly white all white they would have painted themselves yeah. white but according to them they're like yellow brown black you mm-hmm. know different stages of brown and darkness was that you who said they that Somebody white was saying that they they were be, it was art they were drawing art to make themselves look darker. It was some shit. And I wouldn't. Well, I, not, I might have commented on somebody saying something like that. It yeah. might have been me because basically, you know, when you do like look at not look. Let's just think of the logic there. So the Egyptians, if somebody thinks they're white, <laughs> painted themselves black, brown, red, yellow, mm-hmm. and light skinned. If that's the kind of stylish stuff we do, how come the uh, people in England aren't painting themselves? It's just stylish art, mm-hmm. not painting themselves as black statues and stuff like that. True. Like True. It, what it tells me is you just don't want to admit that there's some colored folk. Sure. And even if you didn't want, like if you were like, look, we got to tiptoe <laughs> around this. Save your ass. Get some Middle Eastern actors, some brown folk from around those areas. Mm-hmm. Cast them. Maybe have one or two white famous names. A couple black people who aren't slaves. Mm-hmm. Throw it in there. You know, be creative. Get some Asiatic people coming in there and just do that. You mm-hmm. would have made a ton of Everybody would have gone to see that movie. Yeah, As it stood, you had white people. So, you know, the colored people to go see it. And the mm-hmm. white people who did go see it, they complained that it wasn't as impressive as they thought. That's why 300 was so much better. Oh, my God. You see all the different colored people, mm-hmm. and they showed you like when he the came to war, he kings. the kings of kings. He had people of all color. They were all men though, but of course you know war. But they were gorgeous bodies, hues and bodies and colors. It was a rainbow mm-hmm. of stuff, and mm-hmm. it lets you know that they had did their research. Like, look, mm-hmm. Rome might have been like kind of light skinned. <laughs> But everybody else who lived around there was, dark. was a little bit darker, and they mm-hmm. showed it, whether it was the different hairstyles, hair textures. Mm-hmm. Co- movie made a mint. I mm-hmm. was there. When I first saw the trailer, I'm like, you, 
I'm just throwing money. Like, where, 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 where I gotta go? <laughs> it's a movie. She letting it rain. She letting it rain on the movie. Like, I have to see this right now. So you can't have historical epic movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I'm sure that the Noah's Ark, the Ark movie, didn't do well when we criticized that. Like, dude, mm-hmm. you can't have that. You can't have that and be historical. It, Call it, make a fantastical story that's based on the Bible, but don't call it the Bible. Call it something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make your money because people are smarter and people around the world are communicating with each other. Sure. They're looking at each other and they want to see what they really look like. And if you mm-hmm. make a movie in a historical place and you don't have people who look like the people who live there historically, mm-hmm. what you're really saying is we want everything for white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there you have it. You can't do that. You cannot do that. And that's why those movies bombed. And it was bad marketing because every time you kept showing, we kept laughing because they even showed, they even, do. if you saw the movie, <laughs> they even remade the Sphinx's nose to look more like a European nose. I did notice that. I saw yeah. it in a preview. Of that. Said, I was I'm like, like, what the fuck is that? Like, you even going to change the Sphinx, bitch? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And I was so ashamed. And Ridley tried to, God bless him, he tried to give his excuses. But I was like, you know what? As much as I love <laughs> my, my, my right, you know, who are white and have to be men and they're, you know, directing and stuff, you can't do that anymore. Mm. The olden days, you could do that before mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. Now social media, we gonna talk shit and it's gonna have some effect. I'm like, damn it! Can we just? They love Morgan so much. Can we make him? Morgan couldn't Moses? have been the think the, the <laughs> damn. Oh, you, know, you love Morgan, po- and that would have been powerful. Yeah, you, know, you, know, you could have made him it. the Pharaoh, and you could have gave him a light skinned wife, and mm-hmm. you could have had some kids that was different colors, mm-hmm. and you would have color. You would have covered the gamut of everybody. True. Everybody would have been happy. True. He could have got a couple. He could have had a couple of like Asian women as wives that came from another country, Why not? and you could. Have some Asian characters in yeah. there who were just fabulous. They were trading back yeah, then. Yeah, they were Why trading back there. What was Why that actor that was Pharaoh? He he was on Spike Lee's movies a lot. What's that guy in that movie? Yeah. Oh, I'll, oh, I'll look it up while you guys are talking. The one who was the Pharaoh. He was horrible. Okay, I don't remember the name then. Oh, you mean the guy that they had who was playing the Pharaoh? Yeah. I don't know the actor's name. He was horrible. Really? He was like, yeah. <laughs> like, how long were you into the movie before you realized this is this is not what I thought this? Uh, immediately <laughs> right when the credits rolled uh, you're like this was a bad decision yeah and it's Christian unfortunate Bale, and I love Christian Bale you could have still too. had Christian Bale but was, you had to have other Ramsey's? people Ra- yeah. oh the guy who played Ramsey's yeah oh god yeah what's his oh, name and that was the argument oh so I can't even think of his name and, and Joel Re- Edgerton yeah and, yes. and really Scott had the damn nerve to say well I had to put people in there that people whose name people named people people who I don't, even know, I don't know who that dude is you, you've seen him in Spike Lee's movies and stuff oh really okay. really who'd he play yeah, he played, you know, when they were like in the neighborhood with the pizza or something like that. Oh, he okay. The, he made one of the, the neighbor yeah, guys. Yeah. But it's like, how can you say that? And we don't even know who that guy is. And there's so many great names mm. of people. Can mm-hmm. you imagine if they really cast it the way it's supposed to be cast? It would have been, it would have been a monster of a movie. <laughs> they, churches would have been shown in on Christmas. We're going to have show a church service. We're going to show this bad boy. DVD oh, sales. I know who he is. Yeah, yeah. He was in Zero Dark Thirty and stuff. That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I mean, but still, we had to look for the motherfucker. Yeah, wasn't and, like we wasn't yeah. like we were like oh, like that's, we knew that's Bradley name Cooper. You know, it wasn't like he was Christian Bale. I knew yeah, that name on top I mean? of my head. But I don't know. It's it's just it's casting is tricky, and I think Hollywood's got to do better in terms of of opening up certain roles. And in terms of your marketing, you can't you can't keep marketing the same. The same way. I don't know. It's just I was just so disappointed with Kingsman's marketing because mm-hmm. I feel like that movie could have gotten a lot more, done a lot better. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, I don't have.
have the solutions. Okay. I was just I curious. Well, let's get let's just wrap it up that little segment. Mm-hmm. One little piece of game mm-hmm. for the producers. Okay, what we need to do to produce to, to to promote things better to market our our films. Let, let, let matter of fact, let's talk to the independent guys out there because most of our audience right now, you know, everybody's making movies and trying to make shit. Mm-hmm. How do we encourage them to promote their projects? You know, to even to get into film festivals and all that shit. What, what should we do? Well, one of the things that always gets people, like I said, I go to the movies and I study when the trailers come out. Mm-hmm. I watch people's reactions to the trailers. So one of the, and even with the writing, you know, for writers too, but for people who are like, your project is done, you want to make a sizzle reel or something like a little trailer to like get people interested in. Mm-hmm. I would say go go study how trailers work. Watch the reaction to people. Take notes. What are some things that people are ooh and on about? Because people will let you know right off when you've seen the, the trailers. You can tell when an audience is into a movie. Well, they call them trailer moments for yeah, a reason. Yeah, yeah. It's like the trailer moment. Like you can tell because people are like, oh, yeah, I want to see that. Or, oh, mm-hmm. my God. Oh, we laugh or we respond. Like, oh, my God, what was that? Mm-hmm. Gauge the reaction of people to certain things. Does your project have those moments that you can cut together in a trailer? Absolutely. That would work, that you saw. And I'm saying go to a couple of movies and see some different trailers with different audiences because that told me everything I needed to know. When mm-hmm. I saw The Kingsman, it was kind of lukewarm, like, oh, mm-hmm. there's Colin Firth, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a dull thing. So I thought, oh, here we go. And then when I saw the movie, mm-hmm. I wanted to slap whoever put that reel together mm-hmm. for them because I'm like, this movie is amazing. Well, they, well they, they tried to come out with like these little trailers that were like longer, almost like, let's show them a scene. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, for me, it got me. I was interested because I saw the bar scene. You know, with him and the kid at the bar and the right. toughs come in right. and Colin, you know, whips him with the umbrella or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we see what Colin can do. Right. I mean, I got in on it from there and I wanted to see the movie from there. Um, but I'm not saying that always works. I thought it was a was a decent campaign to right. do it that way. It apparently didn't work. I probably wouldn't you know? have put Sam Jackson in the trailer. I would have saved him as a surprise. Okay. Mm-hmm. I yeah, would have yeah, saved him point. for a big surprise. Because I yeah. think we are kind of weary. I mean, people love Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. And some people are honestly are tired. Like every time he's he's in every fucking thing. Yeah, that yeah. would have been I would never have put him in the trailer. I would have waited that to be one of those moments in the movie, like, oh my god, there's Sam Jackson here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would have said that I would have focused more on the girl, the bad girl. You know, showed a mm-hmm. couple slight scenes of her because if you would have showed that, one, you're gonna get a female audience. True. One, she's gorgeous. Gorgeous woman, you know. And I want to see more of her because I didn't know who she was. And I'm like, I want to see more of her. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have showed the other female a little bit more that's in the movie. Um, who's and I, and I, what I loved about it is they didn't have them be romantic partners in that oh, film. So she that's wasn't amazing. Like, you know, they were just women mm-hmm. kicking ass, doing their job, yeah. and just as good as the men. Mm-hmm. I would have focused a little bit more on that and maybe some of the other aspects, but I wouldn't have shown Sam Jackson, and I wouldn't have shown. Um, a couple of I might have saved I might have saved the bar scene a little bit maybe cut a little bit mm-hmm. but maybe focused on uh, some of the other things like I would have showed like the shots of the world to give it an appeal like it's a global thing like mm-hmm. some of the faraway fight scenes mm-hmm. like because that would have made me think what the fuck is happening in Brazil <laughs> like I gotta see this movie I mm-hmm. would have cut those things in I think they focused in because they thought Colin Firth is a name sure. he's a dramatic name we love him as a dramatic yeah. actor. No one. Really I was a little surprised to see him. Yeah, in that no role. one sees him as yeah. an action star. No. So I would have saved a little bit of him. I would have showed him fight a little bit. Maybe a little thing that he mm-hmm. does something cool, like maybe something slightly from the church scene. Mm-hmm. I would have shown some scenes from them fighting in Brazil on the beach that was going to make me think, "What the fuck is going on down mm-hmm. there?" Right? Mm-hmm. And I maybe would have shown a scene of the girl when she's up in outer space a little bit, like, "And they got space? What?" Mm-hmm. And I would have cut those together and not put Sam Jackson in there and mm-hmm. saved him as a surprise in the mm-hmm. movie. Okay, that would have got me in like. 
first weekend. <laughs> like Dr. Evil. Like yeah, you never like you never, movie. yeah. And then it, then it would have been a nice little surprise, like, oh mm-hmm. my God, it's Sam Jackson in the movie, you mm-hmm. know? And him and that speech impediment he gave that character, you know what oh, I mean? But dear the movie God was save freaking us. hilarious. There's just scenes in there, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that. I mean, just go go peep the Obama scene. They got President Obama in this thing. <laughs> they got all the world leaders in this thing. It was just a fun movie. And I just That's thought, true. if you're going to market it, you got to find some fun stuff. you got to find some angles that make people go, holy shit, I want to see that. A great example, The Matrix. Okay. When he first did the bullet move scene, mm-hmm. that got me. Mm-hmm. All the other razzle-dazzle, yeah. But when it was the first time yeah, we had ever, yeah, it was the first time we saw bullet time. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, we was there. And I remember that moment in the audience. You could feel it in the audience. Like the energy level had rose up. Everybody's like, fuck, we're going to go see that movie. I saw that movie three fucking times. <laughs> Matrix. Just from that bullet scene alone. How many times have you seen it at home? That's at the movie theater. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but that bullet scene, it's, if you've got mm-hmm. something in your film that's one unique that no one's seen, you sure. want to highlight that a little bit because it's going to make you say, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. I got to go see that. Mm-hmm. You've got to find, even if you've got a small drama, you've got to find some things that make people go, what the hell just happened there? Mm-hmm. Because that what the hell is going to make them go, all right, we're going to go see that movie. Okay. Since we're talking about things that make you say, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about biopics. Okay. I know this is a big transition, but no, it's let, good. Let, let's get into Especially that. Especially because a lot of the from the Oscars, uh, what about three of the films were like biopics. You've mm-hmm. got Theory of Everything. Mm-hmm. You've got American Sniper, and I want to in Selma, and I want to say that Foxcatcher was well, based on a true story, mm-hmm. yeah, a true was, incident. So yeah. a lot of the 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 big heavies that were nominated were biopics. Here's the interesting thing: I never really paid that much close attention to it. The original screenplays go first, and then the adapted screenplays go second. Yes, the adapted screenplays are actually the ones that are usually bigger. I mean, I didn't even put that together, but I heard one of the um, commentators talking about it, like either before or after, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I never. You quite mean bigger about in sense it. in terms of of what? Of, Just- like more popular or you know whatever. Well, because mainly because it's if it's a uh, uh, an adapted work, oh, it has sense. it it's has already, source material. That's right. That it makes already, sense. That's why I think because before I was thinking, how does someone sell the Kingsman? Well, it was a comic book series, so yeah. it already had a built-in audience, mm-hmm. and they were trying to look for probably a brand new franchise. Sure. And I think it was very smart that they said it in England. Mm-hmm. So you know, and with a lot of English actors who mm-hmm. are slaying all the time, mm-hmm. and and giving us something new to look at, but. One of the things that's interesting in terms, especially this year with the Oscars race, with so many biopics that mm-hmm. came out, was a lot of the criticism that some of the biopics got, in particular Selma, compared to, let's say, American Sniper. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that um, really bothered me with so many people, um, and of course that's with, dealing with the writer who's adapting, of course you're going to put the story that you want to tell. And well, a lot you're of times, making a movie, yeah. so you have to turn things up in a but different way. But one of way. my biggest criticisms in terms of the biopic for American Sniper was they made him just look like the biggest Yahoo who went along with anything. Mm. And there's a lot more complexity to his character that mm-hmm. I think that were missed that they could have put in, okay. especially a lot of the lies that that man told. Like one mm. of the things that really got me that said, fuck that dude, I don't care what happened to him, <laughs> was the moment he told the lie that he had, uh, when he came back and stuff, that he had shot 30 black people right after Katrina. He said that he went down there right after Hurricane Katrina happened and went out there and shot 30 black people. I don't remember that. Yeah. That was in the story? No, that's part of what he said, part of the, his life story, things that he said that he's oh, done. Really? A, lot of, a lot of lies and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, said a lot about his character. Mm. And it made me not like him. It doesn't mean I can't watch a movie and sure. still be engaged with that. Okay. But there were a lot of things in there that just made him so... See, I didn't know anything about him yeah. at first. It just, you know, you know what? what? There, there was just no complexity. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like an A, B, C... D. It could have been a TV movie of the week. Okay. And, and that was disappointing because I think with a biopic, the more messy 
and this is just my personal opinion, mm-hmm. the more messy a character is, the more endearing they are. Because one of the realest moments that happened in that movie where I felt like, yeah, that probably is what the really realness mm-hmm. is, is at the end when he, when he finally gets to come home. You know, mm-hmm. when shit happens and he's done some things and I felt like when it became down, came down to self-preservation, mm-hmm. it was one of the most honest moments I saw in the film. Okay. And I felt like it was missing. Okay, because they were trying to make him into like this big hero. And even though I know Clint Eastwood said that it was an anti-war film, you watch that. That's not an anti-war film. It is not an anti-war film. Well, you know, I mean, I know we're going to talk about our personal stuff, but it got a lot of criticism because, you know, he was killing people and they weren't aware. And you know what I mean? It's like being a being a coward when you shoot people and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, fuck that. He was killing motherfuckers who will freaking blow you up. But I was saying, but this is what I will say. <laughs> he went to a country where we knew for a fact had done nothing and had nothing to do with 9-11. Mm-hmm. Okay. Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. Okay. We went to war there claiming to have weapons. There were no weapons. So, if we were going to be honest about but a war movie... But if you're a soldier and you're told, you have to do what you're told. You can't sit there and go, well, we heard that there was no you, If you want to make a really good movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. then you have to show some complexity. Because when I'm watching that movie, if I'm in Iraq and I see some people who are killing American soldiers when you invaded my country, mm-hmm. if those Iraqi people were Americans, we would be saying they were patriots for defending their home country. True that. Okay? True that. One of the things is, all throughout the entire movie... Anything that was Arab was considered a savage. Savage, savage, savage. Even the people, they even had a, a, a he must have been an Arab actor who was playing the interpreter, yeah, an American yeah, yeah. interpreter. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have been more interested in his story. Like, how do you, mm-hmm. as an Arab and a Muslim man, that is interesting. working for the United yeah. States and having to interrogate people from your homeland mm-hmm. who you probably have no connection to because yeah. you're an American, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? I was interested in the other that sniper. Is an interesting I was story. more interested in the uh, yeah. Mustafa. He was interested. What is fine ass. He was interested. I was like, how do you, and he's supposed to be Syrian, how do mm-hmm. you come to a different country? Like, there were missed opportunities where we could have had like a dual story, but I know they're trying to tell the Chris Kyle story. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was so basic. And there are missed opportunities to even have him question, like, man, here's a dude who's just like me. What the fuck? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I just felt like it was a, a, a propaganda film in the sense that it really gives Americans a tool to hate other people. It's the mm-hmm. othering of people all over again. Well, Especially when I know that the Iraqi war, <laughs> you may not agree with me, it was some bullshit. Well, let's talk a little about, a bit about our own biopics that we mm-hmm. have. You know, let's, let's talk a little bit about yours. Which one are you? Because I know you've written quite a few. Which, well, which one new, do you well, want to talk about? I'm going to try to get into one. I really, I, I'm going to have to do some research to see if I can even get the rights or even talk to her. A biopic I would really like to do is Angela Davis. Oh, yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Especially after a couple of years ago, I've seen the, the um, documentary um, Free Angela and All oh, pri- so Prisoners. Prisoners. Yeah. Because I cannot understand, like, how do you have somebody that powerful like that who went through what she went through mm-hmm. and came out kicking, still mm-hmm. around, still, still, around. still telling what she believes? Mm-hmm. Who? fucking does not tell that story mm-hmm. as many stories you want to tell about Selma and Mountain with the King and Malcolm X and all of that who the fuck sleeping on Angela Davis who is still alive and here and you can talk to one on one why hasn't that picture been made I mean the last biopic I did was the um, if you heard our last the show we originally did when I talked about um, uh, what was I doing my Colombian girl my mm-hmm. drug dealer mm-hmm. Griselda Blanco mm-hmm. yeah that whole oh, biopic that, that whole would, ooh, story ooh, thing ooh, ooh. you know a lot of research involved but sure. the dream project for me right now is going to be Angela Davis biopic okay. well let's talk about process like mm-hmm. what would be your process and how you would go about making a project like that well you know, I, for those people out there who are interested in writing a based on or yeah. inspired story on somebody read everything you can freaking get your hands on mm-hmm. 
from every different, even people who are against the person who are writing about, who are pro that person, even sure. those who are against them, even those people who are just trying to do like a basic biography, if you can find any documentaries about them. I was just right. about to say, you have to treat it like a documentary. You, have, you are. You have to yeah. be a documentarian. Like you're mm-hmm. getting all the research. If there was court cases, like in the case when I did Griselda Blanco, I was like contacting people down in Florida and getting the actual court transcripts of what was said by whom okay. and reading those transcripts. Paid a lot of money to get those and read to get the actual words and mm-hmm. things like that. Talking to, when I was talking to the um, FBI agent mm-hmm. who captured her, like sure. we called him up, phone conversation, talked to him a couple of times. Like, mm-hmm. dude, when you walked in there and got that, when you got her, what was going on? What were you feeling? What were you thinking? Mm-hmm. Get the realness of it. Um, if I were doing the Angela Davis biopic, same thing. Research documentaries and try to get an interview with the living person if they're mm-hmm. willing to. But the main thing- Well, it is, helps now that you're yeah, with bitch. You like, really so, have huh? to, not only that, you have to immerse yourself- with that person, but you also have to immerse yourself in the culture of the world they were brought up in. So, for example, if I were doing the Angela Davis story, mm-hmm. I would definitely be checking out other documentaries that were talking about the 60s. Yeah. I would talk about... It's not just the black ones. Right, right. Yeah. I would talk right. about... For Angela, I would definitely be looking into the Chicano movement. Mm-hmm. I would be looking into the Filipino movement that mm-hmm. was going on in, uh, in concert with a lot of Chicano, uh, especially with a lot of the farm workers and things sure. like that. It coincides. The Brown Berets, the Puerto mm-hmm. Ricans, what they were doing, Native mm-hmm. Americans. Because at that time, they were starting to do the whole... Um, when they were going out to Alcatraz and starting to do their thing, too, with the mm-hmm. AIM movement and all that... Mm-hmm. I would listen to a fucking lot of music from that time period because a lot of the music it really helps it helps yes. it does like what were the popular the songs this, what was the music what were people listening to mm-hmm. I would try to go to the library and see if I can find the old magazines from those time periods what were people wearing mm-hmm. what were the articles and, and what was the topic of the day that people sure. were reading like you what really, was number one on the radio yeah like all that, all that. Yeah. like you really have to like really it's like being a time traveler mm-hmm. like you are a museum collector and you only have so much time to go back in time and collect sure. as much information as you can what could you possibly do to figure out that mm-hmm world i would probably try to visit you know if doing if i was doing angela i would try to visit the institutions that she taught at mm-hmm. you know i would try to see if any of her friends who were around that time mm-hmm. who can give a different perspective mm-hmm. you know i would even talk to her enemies oh you have to the people who hated her or yeah. wanted her like if ronald reagan were alive today i'd be trying to talk to <laughs> ronald reagan mm-hmm. i would be trying to talk to people who really feel that she was the salt for example when i did griselda blanco the guy i like I said, the FBI agent, the mm-hmm. guy who captured her for 10 mm-hmm. years, he'd been on her case, mm-hmm. who thinks she was a sociopath and just uh, talked to him and got his viewpoint. Because mm-hmm. what's going to happen is it's like working with Clay. You're going to shape it down, get it, shape it down, shape sure. it down, and you're going to figure out what the story is. And here's the kicker. You have to tell the story your way. Mm-hmm. You may even have to make up some shit. To help oh, bridge whoa, 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 a lot. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. No, here, here, here. She's right. Wow. This is important. This is important. I just got to jump in. This is important. You have to make up shit because what's real life is not interesting in a movie. Mm-hmm. That's the number one mm-hmm. thing that I always tell everybody. Mm-hmm. You cannot go, oh, well, you know, she was married to this guy for six years and that's kind of what happened. It's like, but we're making a movie. They end up breaking up, right? It might be interesting if it only lasted for two years. And this happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just right. shift it and push it faster so mm-hmm. that this happened. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. You have to constantly adjust. And we can tell them a mile away. You'll see a movie that is exactly on the nose to exactly what happened. You're fucking bored to death. And you're mm-hmm. bored That's to That's a documentary. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not a movie. Right. Like in the case of Night of the Grizzly of the Monkle, there were a lot of people in that, that drug dealer, her life. 
And a lot of people, I had to make composite characters. All right, yes. this happened because she was around for a long time. Mm-hmm. I ain't got time to be telling all these other people's no. story. So I may combine you have to something. Con- you have to con- I'm going to condense some people. And I may take some incidents that happened with some totally different person Absolutely. and put it with another incident because it makes the story move. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much that you're lying no. when you're making up stuff. It's just that I just need to get to the essence of what happened mm-hmm. to help my plot move yeah. along. You, you may have to choose to say it, it may have come in from somebody even famous who said a line or did something important to the character and you have to decide does that work with my story right for instance in my i wrote the story of sylvester famous singer from the 70s and everybody knows patty labelle was pretty big in his life later on in life Mm -hmm. but she's not even really in my story at all because i realized she really wasn't that important Mm -hmm. to my story Mm -hmm. right you know what i mean and you have to decide are they important or not? So the only time we see her is like at his funeral and, you know, on his deathbed, we just see her there. Right. But she doesn't say a word. Right. We just, I just needed her presence there. So, cause she was there during right. that time. Right. But that was the decision I made based on the story I was telling. That you were telling. You know, right. whereas, cause I have had people read and go, Oh, this is really good. What happened to Patty LaBelle? You know, some queen. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, that wasn't the story I wanted because I didn't want to go off with him and Patty and now he's on tour with her and right. all that other stuff mm-hmm. because the story is about him telling the story about how he did this. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I had to reshift everything so that it worked for my story. And that's why I think it's really ironic that the movie Selma got so much criticism mm-hmm. from white critics when they were saying that it was historically inaccurate. It was, you know, oh, those things. And, and when they were talking about, oh, well, you know, uh, was it Lyndon Baines Johnson was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, he wasn't really, they weren't doing all, look, <laughs> The controversy with all of that, when they started talking about historical inaccuracy, all that came down to is they did not like the fact that it was a black narrative, mm-hmm. that it was not a white savior story, yeah. and that we're going to show how white people actually act when mm-hmm. black people are not having cameras on them and mm-hmm. when they're just telling you the real deal. So when I saw Linda Baines Johnson, I thought, at last, I get to see a real, this is how it really is. It's not mm-hmm. that he's like an evil character. Mm-hmm. It's just a real, he's a man of his times, and this is some shit. And people were upset saying, well, you know, there should have been more. And there's one, I, I don't know if you saw, I think it was mm-hmm. in Variety, or one mm-hmm. of the, they, they actually, they posted the comments of two of the Academy voters. Mm-hmm. Did you read that thing? Mm-hmm. I think it was a Hollywood Reporter. It might have okay. been a Hollywood Reporter. But they actually... T- uh, anonymously posted up some things that some of the Academy voters were talking about what they yeah. voted for. And one of them said that they were mad because, you know, white people were part of the civil rights movement. They should have been, you know, you should have made Lyndon Bain James, all the white people in there were all evil and you didn't give them enough parts. I'm like, nigga, we talking about killing black people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is what Selma's about, right? It's about yeah. black people getting their rights. Mm-hmm. What are we going to look like? You've had all those other movies. You had Mississippi burning. Mm-hmm. You had all those other movies where the white people were the savior, the history of the new Jesus to come redeem and save black yeah. people. For once, we wanted to take uh, take a story that's rooted in blackness and a black narrative structure mm-hmm. where white people are at the periphery. What? Yes, for once. They're mm-hmm. the marginalized ones. And the one thing I loved about Selma is the fact that they did have one of my heroes who happens to be white and Italian was Viola Luizzo. Yeah. Love that woman. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy just to see a small part of her being there to show her. I was so happy to see Bayard Rustin. And, and it's interesting you Even though that. it was a tiny piece it's interesting to say that because right. she was, for me, she was so small in it. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the movie, they do the little, right. you know, title over and they just say, you know, a card, you know, right. uh, such and such died and mm-hmm. blah, blah. I'm like, I don't even remember who the fuck that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, they didn't. They that was showed, my only issue I had is she was so they, small. And that was important. And I know why Ava put that in. I know why they, mm-hmm. know why they had to put that in there because... Her death, because she was she was murdered by the Klan mm-hmm. right after he did his speech at Selma, yeah. 
and she and they show they try to show they try to set her up a little bit by showing her watching what was on TV and yeah. what's going on and being affected and wanting to do something. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got that, but that's only because I already knew who she was before they even told me it was Viola. I knew who that person was. Sure. I said, this is probably a representation of Viola Luizzo. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, when the title card came at the end, I said, yes, I understand that. Mm-hmm. I think personally, she needs to have her own movie. Okay. Because I think that's an important story, uh, a part of the civil rights movement, is we really do need to see some of the white people who lost their lives. Okay. You know, who and that's really not did. a white savior? And that's not a white savior. Okay. Okay. it's a tragedy. It's, yeah, it's a tragedy because mm-hmm. here's someone who stepped out of her own comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Not many white people do that. Some white people be like, oh, it's so terrible, but those, but they will not go that extra mile. This woman had a husband and her own, she had like children mm-hmm. who said, I feel so moved and I need to do something. I'm going to help. All I can do maybe is just drive people to the meeting. And that's mm-hmm. what she did. Sure. And when she was driving them back from the speech, the Klan came up and killed her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. A white woman. Mm-hmm. All right. That, I don't know that's why. Because that's, to them, they're even worse. You oh know, right, your nigger lover. Nigger lover, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. You know why she hasn't had a movie? Because I would like to see the effects, not just the the murder and all that stuff. I want to know the effects on her family after that happened. Mm-hmm. How do your children grow up mm-hmm. when you know your mother risked her life for black people? Sure. How did those children end up? How does that husband react to that? Okay. What was that household like when your wife says, and you know, this is a white man we're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what was that like? So I really appreciate that aspect of having in there. Bayard Rustin, like I said, they had a small... You didn't know who he was until they had the title card. He's a huge impact on the mm-hmm. civil rights movement. Is he movement. the one they killed? No. Bayard oh, Rustin, no. he's the gay civil rights activist. They oh, always yeah, put him yeah. to the side, but he was the one who influenced and had a huge impact on Martin Luther King's thinking. He was the one that told him, like, the nonviolent movement, mm-hmm. you know, from Gandhi. So huge impact on his thinking. Sure. We never talk about it because they don't like talking about gay people, sure. especially a gay black man. Mm-hmm. Do you know how pivotal gay people were? Mm-hmm. James Baldwin, mm-hmm. Bayard Rustin, mm-hmm. like the impact they had on thinking. And I know people get mad when some people have said this, but the queering of Malcolm X, <laughs> you got to understand when Malcolm X was out there, he was out there back in the day. He mm-hmm. was pimping. He was hoeing himself. He was mm-hmm. doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. People don't like to hear that. Sure. But those are the stories I think that are important because you're marginalizing and you're also hushing up certain parts of people's story True. that I think someone who needs to hear that and needs to see it. So I was really kind of ticked when people were talking about historical inaccuracies when you have movies like The Theory of Everything and they can gloss over stuff and do yeah. whatever. But when it comes to a black narrative... Okay, dealing with civil rights, mm-hmm. white people always want to act like, well, we helped you. We helped you do everything. Well, you were the cause of a lot of this shit, so you better be helping to dismantle it. But we're gonna tell the viewpoint from the people who were affected. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Go see Mississippi Burning and all the other shit you already mm-hmm. had. You know, and people don't like to hear that. True. I'm not being anti-white. I'm just being real. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. So when you're doing your biopic, immerse yourself. Documentaries, books. Try to live that life. Read other people who were writing. Well, let me tell you something I did. During that time, too. What do you do? Here's something I did. With two different projects. Mm-hmm. When I wrote my first script, Rebel Yell, mm-hmm. takes place in England in the 60s. It was 14 years ago. 13, 14 years ago. So the internet wasn't as big as it is now. Right. right. But they did have the bird's eye view. It was like the beginning stages right. of that. So I remember, because I'd never been to England at the time. And I literally went online and started looking at different neighborhoods that I wanted to have my, sh- my movie take place in. Mm-hmm. And I would take a bird's eye view of the neighborhood. Right. And I would just ride through and right. see what's going on. Right. And I was like, oh, so there's a corner pub right on the corner of such and such street. Right. What if there was a youth club there instead of a corner pub? I, you know, because now mm. we're in 2000. What right. happened back in the 60s? So right. I started imagining 
you know, how my guys were moving around from, from, from where they live to where that place right. was and how long it takes to get from this place to this place. Right. And I kind of did a similar indirect thing with when I did Sylvester. <clears throat> now, there's a book out about Sylvester that tells his life pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. However, here's an interesting thing for everybody. In the book on like page one, like in the um, glossary or whatever, mm-hmm. in the table of contents somewhere, he talks about how this book may not be accurate because the people who he interviewed during the time were so high on LSD and all these other things back then, like everybody was in the 60s. Right. Everybody's recollection was different. So if he would ask you, how did Sylvester become a cockette, you would have a completely different story right. from him. Else. So he said, so some stories you may hear in this may or may not be whatever. Right. So what I decided to do was I interviewed a bunch of people that I knew who were in San Francisco and in in, in during that time mm-hmm. who used to see them at clubs and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. and got other stories. Mm-hmm. So I was like, did you ever hear how he became a cockette? Right. Did you ever hear how, you know, he got his first album? They were like, oh, well, I heard, right. yada, yada, yada. I was like, see, I never heard that story. What if in my story that's how they got it? Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. So you'll read my script, and it may not seem as accurate as some other things, but somebody else thought it was. Right, You right. know what I mean? And so I used that license to make the story I wanted to tell. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's something that people, especially those who aren't writers who are watching movies, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when the James Brown, you know, movie came out. Sure. And I criticized There's that There's one movie. that was not marketed very well. Yeah, well, no, it was marketed well. I uh, thought it was. No. I saw it all the time. Well, maybe because the movies I was watching at the time, I kept seeing the trailers, I okay. kept seeing the commercials, I kept seeing it, oh, you know, I, you know, Twitter and people mm-hmm. were saying it. So I was, plus it was something I wanted to see anyway. Okay. Okay. So I was already going to be. I'm just saying, I didn't get no screener. That's all I'm doing. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that. that <laughs> what well, my screener is that? I, I, I apologize. I apologize. Because he sh- probably should have been nominated for his performance. He was great. I mean, all the actors in that were, were wonderful. Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. Oh, she should have been nominated for that for at least Best Supporting or something. Mm-hmm, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, was, was it the best? movie in the world no because there were certain stuff things that i would have liked to have seen and it just seemed like a really glossy video fun you know that oh, kind of yeah. thing and i think like i think i wanted a little bit a little bit more mm-hmm. and it's okay you know i mean it entertained my mom it was fun to watch with an audience i mm-hmm. mean when he does the dance and the music and you hear those be- oh my god it's wonderful when you hear that music mm-hmm. you know but you know i don't know it's i i was thinking about when you start talking about taking the license to tell the story you have to take the license and the idea of of and i love stories where somebody's version of events is different than somebody else's absolutely because to me that's hilarious because that's real life Mm -hmm. you know and that kind of reminded me of there was one point about five years ago when i was trying to do the biography of uh, sly and the family stone Mm, because uh, yeah so i had bought this book that had an interview of all the different people in the band and like Mm -hmm. i was like getting all the research of course you know i was listening to all the music Mm -hmm. i was going to research like what was going on that year and i was thinking of when i was growing up the first time i heard it because when he came when i remember his music if you want me the way yeah, available for you to see. Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> or hot fun in the summertime? And yeah. but at, it was funny because when I was a kid and was coming out, I didn't realize till when I did the research that when the songs they were playing on the radio. It was it'd be the equivalent of a song came out five years ago and you mm-hmm. happen to hear it on the radio. So when I was a kid, little I thought it was happening now, but those songs were already old, a few I years heard, old. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, wow, that's interesting. What was happening to him then? I remember just listening to the music, doing, and it was like because he was so reclusive, like no one knew. And then all of a sudden he started doing concerts. So I mm-hmm. went to like two different concerts that he had, and I I knew something was wrong because he was kind of hunched over and he had probably some physical problems. Mm-hmm. So he had the family there, the band was together, mm-hmm. some of his kids were playing in the band, and I started going. I remember one show. 
that Will I Am was there. I think it was at one of the. I was down in Anaheim somewhere. He was doing a show. Some Disney has some kind of like show. I don't know what it is, but anyway, I went because I wanted to see like what are the older audience, like people who grew up with them. What kind of people would go see Sly and the Family Stone mm-hmm. now? So part of my research was going to the concerts and seeing the people. And I know there were a couple of guys who were doing a documentary, and I just wanted to see. And the thing was, I already just won some money. He, like five million dollars. Uh, he, uh, yeah, lawsuit he has. Some people owed him some money. I think it was his manager or something. Hold yeah. out. But what was interesting when I got this book that had the different interviews, it was a really good book because, like you said, everyone had a different perspective of how something went down. Okay. Like one of his uh, ex-wives claimed that uh, if you want me, what is it? I, mm. I will. If you want me to stay, if you want me to stay, mm-hmm. she claims it was written for her. Yeah, because I, 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 yeah. they did an unsung right, about him. right, yeah. and some other stuff. And I just love, and I just love that quality of it. And so I was trying to figure out a new way to tell a biopic, mm-hmm. and I was going to tell it as a road story, mm-hmm. as someone who has like who has an aunt who's a fan of Sly mm-hmm. and the Family Stone, had the original album, had everybody's signature from the band except for Sly. Mm-hmm. It's a rumor that they know where Sly is, and their whole thing is they're going to go get this record signed. And when oh, they okay. get there, that's different. And when they get there, one of the uh, the, the people in the band, everyone had a different story of what, what stuff happened. It was kind of be like a flashback between what was going on in the band, mm-hmm. what's going now, and at the end, they were going to get to meet Sly. And at the end of my biopic, I got it where they weren't going to meet him. Like they find the house where he is. She loves the tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a moment where it's like, you know, if he's being a recluse and he's, you know what, the best way, you know what, we just gonna leave him be. You know what? Because you know people always say never, never meet your heroes. Never meet your heroes. So maybe he could learn that. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know no, what I mean? just, that's funny. I, I think what did I had him like when I just wrote an outline? I think I just had them leave a note mm-hmm. and a thank you, thank you for letting us be ourselves. Mm-hmm. And they knock on the I door and they that. just that's leave. way more dramatic. They, they knock on the door and then they leave. And at the end, you just see him picking it. You don't see him, but you see his hand picking it up, and then them going to go give this album to their aunt. Mm. So the idea was to kind of how black music, you know, a contemporary black band who's playing. Crazy music with a mixed band like he did, mm-hmm. how they were influenced and how their lives kind of like, you know, parallel what the band was going through. So I was trying to think of a creative way to do that. But I it think was it's like hella creative. I love it. You know, and it's like, well, thank you. Maybe somebody gave me some money I and I can write that. You should fucking write it anyway. I you know, I probably should. <laughs> you know, what you I mean know? that's what I did with my Sylvester. I was like, yeah. I waited for years and people were like, Why are you waiting? Yeah, because I was it's like, incredible. because I don't have the rights to this and I don't have that. And they're like, Fucking write the script, write and the then script. find a right producer to buy it. Exactly. The and like now, it was like, oh, well, you know, such cool stuff. And so many people don't know about Slide. He influenced everybody from Prince mm-hmm. to funk bands, just his eclectic thing. Like, I'm going to play rock music. I'm going to play, so I'm going to fuse everything yeah. together. I'm he went to school for it. He yes. was a real musician. You know and what I mean? It's like, I'm going to have a band. And guess what? My band, we got white people, we got yeah. women, we got, I mean, it was like the wild, he was like the Prince band before Prince. Oh, he, totally. You know, and oh, like yeah. the clothes, the attitude. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of like disappeared. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my God. God, what happened to Sly? He did like a couple of albums, like yeah. two or three, I think. It and was it was like just nothing. like amazing. So yeah. anyway, with that, it was just, it was going to the concerts, listening to music, trying to find, and then talking to my mom and her friends. Mm-hmm. Like when you first heard the song, what was going on and what did you think? And and thinking about how I felt when I hear the music. And so once you, you make that gumbo, you boil it down, you shape it down, then you have to decide, I'm going to tell it the way I want to tell Is it. it. And you, you just said something interesting. You have to realize you actually have more resources around you than you think right you went right to mom but wait a minute my mom i mean i like music that's today so what were they listening to at right. that point right you know, i was just a kid right so it wasn't like i was going by album but they was a few years older than me right so they were buying albums right so and you know you would hear sly playing all through the house right so what did you like did you ever go see him in concert what was it like you'd see right. him at the coliseum whatever the right you know what i mean so you can use those resources that you already have right you know when i was writing sylvester 
Um, there's all these older <laughs> gay bear queens at the gym who mm-hmm. used to come from San Francisco. So I would just go and sit and start talking to them when, you know, about, about Sylvester and about living in San Francisco in right, the seventies. Right. And it wouldn't even always be about him. And it'd be like, what happened when, when milk died? Do you remember that day? Right. Like all that shit, just to get a sense of from their point of view, mm-hmm. you know, one of them I talked to was actually there <clears throat> the day Sylvester showed up in a wheelchair and everybody realized he had AIDS because he'd been hiding from everybody right, right. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he and there's there's a famous picture of him um, at the Castro Street Fair walking. I mean, he's being pushed by one of his friends and like mm-hmm. all his friends are around him and the whole um, concession stops and everybody starts oh, almost getting emotional. I know. I know. That's why I love yes, that shit. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody stops mm-hmm. and they start applauding. Mm hmm. Love it. I feel it. Because, you, you know, because know, even me, like, I always talk about Sylvester, like, my neighbors play. Like, we had, slime, we had Sylvester music blasting. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and we had my neighbor who lived around the corner. He was gay. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, like, he kind of looked like Sylvester. So mm-hmm. he would play and we'd play the music. And I just remember he was just so glamorous. And he was just like, you know what? You, sister, and he'd see me walking. So I'd be slouching. Girl, pick up your back. And <laughs> Sylvester wouldn't have you walking around. And so I grew up, you know what I mean? <laughs> have some style when you walk. And mm-hmm. I would walk through and I'd listen and it's like, and just that party music. And like they would always play Sylvester when the grown-ups are ready to go out and go party. Mm-hmm. So whenever I hear Sylvester, it's like it's picking yourself up. It, it makes me emotional because mm-hmm. I feel like what those people mean to so many people. And they don't Absolutely. get to have their stories told, you yeah. know? Yeah. And just thinking about Sylvester and Sly and that music and those lives, you know, we don't... I just wish we could tell those stories for those people. I agree. Girl, you know, maybe you go up there and put something... You're going to make me put on Sebastian music in the car and go relive it and just think, you know... Yeah, I mean, absolutely. that music meant a lot to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It did. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it still would resonate today. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. you keep hearing remixes come back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the kids are finding out about him now. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And we just missed his 25th, five, 25, 25th year of his anniversary of his death. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I was like, fuck, we need to be on this now. Yeah. However, the good news is mm-hmm. I was at a party, ran into... Two guys who own a bunch of fucking restaurants mm-hmm. who were who were actually work with um, um, Eva Longoria, right? And they see her selling pilots and shows all the time, right? So we were having a conversation like, "Hillary, you know, we're thinking that we actually might want to start producing some shit." And I was like, "Well, damn it, you know, I want to do my Sylvester script." Yes. They're like, "Oh, yeah," and I was like, "Well, I want to shoot a sizzle for it because I want to show people, fuck it, I want to direct the damn thing." Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, I'm the, it's the most passionate script I have. Well, it's right. funny you know because I, mean? I just saw like I think it was either an unsung or one. I think it was unsung. It was mm-hmm. one of them was talking about the Weather Girls. Oh yeah, and they had a small segment they like, talking about Sylvester. Yeah, they yeah. were talking about yeah, and they mm-hmm. were talking about uh, Sylvester. And I just mm-hmm. thought, oh. God, as soon as I saw that, like, oh, I want to see Sylvester's movie so bad. Did like, you ever see the unsung on Sylvester? No, I didn't see the oh unsung on Sylvester. No, so I have to look that up. Yes. How did I miss that one? I'm usually trying to keep up with unsung. That's so good. It's so good. It's I so saw the one they did on you the emotions. You ever watch unsung? Oh, God. No. It's on TV one. Yes. It's a TV show. I saw the one they did with the emotion. Oh, God, those are so good. They're almost yeah. better than behind the music because they're just, oh, yeah. they're just, oh, God, it's so good. Now I got to go find the one on Sylvester now. Yeah, me too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, so like when you got to find your way into the movie, right? You know, I think I think your device that you're talking about it's almost like a gimmick when you're writing a TV show. Is mm-hmm. it a voiceover? Is it a right. flashback? Whatever, right. same type of thing. In mine, I actually I've actually written three or four versions of Sylvester. Mm. You know what I mean? That's how much you keep growing. Mm. You know, sometimes you get a note from somebody you're like, well, you know, mm-hmm. I think I might need to come in a whole nother way on this story because mm-hmm. their notes was telling me to do this or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck, and. Now my story is Sylvester 
and you hear his voice throughout the whole script right and eventually we'll meet him but his his voice is like right he's groggy he's actually on his deathbed mm. and he's telling the story to Jeannie tracy okay who's one of his backup singers mm-hmm. and um i actually spoke to Jeannie. we mm-hmm. had a really long conversation mm-hmm. several times right and she's behind it right you know um she's actually trying to get me in touch with martha to help to see if martha yeah, can help, you help, us. Help, help you know martha I mean? be part of one of the producers too well mm-hmm. Um, at the end of my, as you guys know, he had a big concert at, um, the war memorial in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He did that, um, that live album mm-hmm. and the living proof album. And that's where we really saw Martha and Azora shine. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, in my script, they sing, um, um, you are my friend, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Patty LaBelle song. Right. But in my script, what I do is really, really, I think is a really smart move. Um, Sylvester starts singing the song. It's like a big concert. And right. then he brings in Martha. He brings in Azora. But when Martha comes in, she brings the house down with her vocals, of mm-hmm. course. And then we transition to another song, mm-hmm. right? Because we're moving through time. Right. And then at the end of the, of the film, when, when, when he's already gone, we go back to his funeral. And um, 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 Jeannie Tracy is singing the song um, that he sings at the beginning of the song when he's like a six-year-old mm-hmm. boy. And which she actually did. Right. And then we transition back to that live concert again and we go back to the moment where Martha is about to kill it again right. and the real Martha Wash comes out. Comes out and sings, and sings it. Song. Yeah, she you got I mean? to. Yes. So, you know what I mean? Trying to be yes. visual, trying right. to keep it contemporary, right. trying to use the right. elements that I have. Right. And she still can blow. Yeah, and it's funny know? because when you, child, you're going to make me go back and go ahead and write this, you, you know, the Sly and Family Stone just thing. Fucking do it. Because what am I Let things? me just say this before uh-huh. you forget. Go ahead. It's also been a good sample for me. I've gotten That's jobs true. from this yeah, thing. Yeah, so, yeah. So fucking, you know what I mean? Like, just do it. Because it was yeah. like, it was a weird, it's like, you know, for Sly, it was just like, you can't tell a straight, linear story with Sly and Family Stone. No. You just can't. You've got to do something, a way to get younger people. And one of the things I remember, I, I, one of my notes I remember writing down is like, who would I have in? And I thought, I wanted Questlove. I wanted Questlove in the movie to be the drummer of this girl's band. Okay. And they were siblings. And he was going to be on the quest with her because mm-hmm. he's Questlove. And it was kind of like, how do I bring in contemporary and let people realize how important this music is as a foundation for a lot of the music that okay. we listen to? But like you said, you just got to write it. And I think that's going to be really freeing for a lot of people yeah. listening to this because it's like we do worry about, I got to get the rights. I got to get this. You know what? Yeah, Sometimes I mean, write I, the story. Yeah, this is write what it. I say. This is what I suggest to everybody. I agree. I mean, a lot, a lot of producers and big writers will tell you don't waste your time. I understand. But if you just look at it like this can be a sample until I find somebody who can help me get right, the rights, right. then, you know what I mean? Do it that way. Because it's like your passion not, and joy and write it. Yeah. Exactly. Why not write something that's, that's like in your heart and soul and mm-hmm. nobody else has touched it yet? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean they're not going to because right. we all know they're doing Sylvester off Broadway with Shirley Ralph and now they're in San Francisco right now doing it. So somebody's going to go and go, man, we should make this into a movie. Right. You know, it's going to fucking happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just got to be fucking first. And it's also, like you said, you know? a good writing sample. Like get yes. it out and see what creative. Keep those juices flowing and something that you could be working on right now. Absolutely. There's so many biopics that are so good that should be out there being made and we're just waiting for you guys to write it yeah like my friend my friend tina andrews wrote the story of um of uh, bob marley mm-hmm. years ago it was like her writing sample that she wrote that like uh, she wrote um how did why do fools fall in love yeah. you know and all that stuff like that because yeah. of that script you know wow. so there's a lot of things you and it never got done so when tina wrote that she she just wrote it she didn't get rights to anything no. or whatever. 
No. Oh, I want to be. I want to write the reader. You know what I mean? But it was a great sample for her. Yeah. You know, and she became like one of the biggest, you know, people in town who writes yeah, those type of those movies type of that movies. you don't even see. Yeah. You know how Stella got her groove back. Her, her name is on everything. You right. know what I mean? She comes in and fixes things right. because of that script. Nice. So that's what I'm saying. Let it be your 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 calling card. Right. You know, and it's something that you never know. Your calling card it might get in the hands of somebody who's like, "Oh, what is this? We need to make this right now." You know, yes. you just never know. Yeah. But you gotta and, write it, people. And, and one thing that that I've learned over the years is, when I go back and look at that script, because it's a couple years old, mm-hmm. it. I actually, I'm really good. Every year, I go back and pull out all my la- my latest, my strongest five scripts, right. and rewrite them. Mm. And I did that probably like in October or something mm-hmm. with that script. And I actually changed even the style and the way I wrote it. Oh wow! You know what I mean? I because because my style changes every couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so like where I'm writing right now is in a completely different way. You know the what the way I'm writing, and I'm writing a lot more smoother, a lot mm-hmm. more you know less on a page, and right. everything's going down the page. You right. know what I mean? Right. So whereas before, I'm not afraid to put three or four lines. I'm right. like two lines, right. one line. You know what I mean? Get it Little things like that right. that I'm doing in the script. So I go back on all my five or six top scripts, and mm-hmm. I because those are the ones I usually give out the most, mm-hmm. and I'll change my style mm-hmm. you know, at least every year. So I'm like, okay, I need to go back and fix those to look like this one. You know what I mean? Right. So. Anyway, just well, well two things we can take from this episode. Number one, if you're marketing your project, whether it's your independent filmmaker or not, have that what is going on moment. You gotcha. know, what is going on? I've Curiosity. got to see that. Yes. And two, write that biopic. Like, yeah. don't worry about the rights and things right now. Write it as a great writing sample for yourself. Yeah. And um, you just never know what's going to happen with yeah. it. See, that's the problem. Everybody thinks they need to be writing it to sell it. And I'm like, use it as a sample. Don't always focus so much on how you're going to sell it. Mm-hmm. You know, a sample will get you a lot more shit than something that's sold sometimes, you know, because sometimes you'll sell it and it's fucking on the shelf. Yeah. My Grisella Blanca script is something I just wrote. Yeah. It wasn't like somebody paid me. And I was like, no, I was really interested in her mm-hmm. and weren't no female gangsters. No one looking for that. I'm like, I knew I had a good marketing ploy mm-hmm. for that. And it was a really fun script to write. I actually loved the research. I mm-hmm. learned so much. I think I could be a really successful drug dealer by the end of, all the, <laughs> the, end of the year and a half like, of research. You know, ounces and, and everything. FBI <laughs> agents are learning like, what? They were doing what? You can put cocaine where? What? And it can slip through where? And I She's thought, in oh love with the cocaine. Okay. And just learning the politics of it and just the create and how far it goes. Child, I got some pictures of the Bush family. I'm just saying. Right. Jordan, you know, hey, you know, making them runs. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Learn some stuff. <laughs> well, look, on that note, thank you guys. That's what's up. That was a fun episode. Mm-hmm. So I hope you guys got some game about marketing and biopics and stuff like that. You know how we do it on the Rant Room. So, Gary, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me at Spiritual Compass on Instagram. That's two words, Spiritual Compass. Uh, or Gary Gurrier, G, Gary G23 <laughs> at Yahoo. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, but I love, I love this. This is awesome. You got, any, you got any new uh, projects you're working on? Any, um, any, any, um, you getting cast in anything we could talk about? Uh, well, I'm working on a few things. Uh, I'm doing a lot of commercials. Uh, I'm Every writing. week I talk to him. He's, he's, he's on the veil. About <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes, yes, yes. That's yes. Good. And uh, uh, I'm starting a new writing project. Uh, I'll keep you good. guys okay, abreast. Cool. Okay, cool. That's what's up. Yep. Lisa Lee, where are you at? I'm always on Twitter. <laughs> she was on while we were talking. This I, know. Shit looking I was not. Okay, maybe I was. No, uh, you can find me on Twitter or you can find me at uh, Bitch Flicks, um, the website where I 
write a lot of film reviews, critical stuff, and just really fun stuff. Check out the website, not just to look for what I write, a lot of really great stuff from the other women there who are writing about film and culture and politics and gender and sex and race and all that fantastic stuff. But the main place you can find me is uh, Twitter. Oh, and can I give a shout out to a couple of my homies? A couple of my homies, uh, (laughs) Sam Miller, Carmen Machado, uh, Crash Wong and uh, a couple people are uh, saying, anyway, a lot of my Clarion fam got nominated for Nebulas. Huge really? oh, science wow. fiction awards. Really? So a Where lot of people, well, I didn't write a whole lot are? this year in terms of like, well, I didn't, plus I didn't campaign. Uh, <laughs> too. We talked about the campaign. I know, didn't we? I know, mm-hmm. but you know what? I'm, I, it's fine. My family's out there. They're doing well. So I'm going to give a shout out to all of them, especially all my Clarion people from class of 2012 and 2013 and 2014 mm-hmm. and all those folks who got nominated for Nebulas. Uh, nebulous because that's really huge for us to be coming out so new mm-hmm. and you guys are getting nominated for such huge awards i'm proud of you hey keep it writing and yes damn it i'm getting some more of my short stories out stop pressuring me <laughs> stop it anyway that's all i have that's what's up. <laughs> again i'm your host hilliard guest and um you guys can find me on twitter at hilliard guest or you can listen to the show follow us retweet us um at screenwriters rr um, and please go on and give us a five-star review on, on iTunes. I always forget to say that now because we say it at the end now. Yeah. So y'all know what to do. It just helps us with the matrix. And, you know, I would love to be in the top 250 this year. That would be some badass shit. It's going to happen. Um, so a couple little shouts out to a couple big-ass countries. Of course, the United States. You know, y'all number one. United Kingdom, Jamaica, Australia, Brazil. Brazil. Can you believe that? We're in Brazil, y'all. Brazil. Lots of people, too. It's cool. couple of um, top states in the United States, New York, um, California, of course, uh, Colorado. Hey, Colorado. Like, oh, hey, Colorado. Colorado. Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, New Jersey, Georgia, and Arizona. All cool. you guys in the top ten. We appreciate you guys. You know what I'm saying? So with that, y'all know what to do on the Screenwriter's Rant Room. <laughs> we keep it street. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what? 2015. Oh, 2000. I'm, I'm saying 100. I'm sorry. Keep it 100. I'm sorry. <laughs> Give it okay, let's do it one more again. We do. Sorry. One more again. <laughs> one more again. Uh. One more again. <laughs> so on this show, we keep it street. Uh-huh. We keep it opinionated. What? We keep it what? 2015. 2015. Take that, Larry, one more. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want me to stay, I'll be around the mm. way. Talk I'm going to write that script, y'all. Look out for my slide in the Family see. Stone script, people. Uh. <laughs> And we're going to listen to Sylvester. I don't know today's line, you know. Okay, you, if you don't know the line, you're going to listen. <laughs> don't listen to him, people. Don't listen. <laughs> Peace, y'all. Ciao. Yes, Ciao. man, I got something to get off my chest. Everyone got one. What's your opinion? This is the rare room. Tongues won't be bitten. Ain't no rules. Just spill it. And anybody can get it. No limit. We get to kill it. You tuning into the thrillers. And no, ain't no stopping. No. Any topic. Even the random. Yeah, I hope that you're ready. We entering in the zone soon. We gonna grow shit. Welcome to the rap room. Uh, that's it. That's all I got to say.